I'm excited uh, as we continue, and we're going to finish our journey through Mark 1 today. And as per typical of my own approach to preaching, I love to, to kind of prompt your mind and your heart with a question to kind of begin us thinking about the message here today. So a question I just want you to think amongst yourselves is this, when in your life have you felt utterly helpless? When in your life have you felt utterly helpless? I've been reminded of the state of helplessness a whole lot lately. Uh, as many of you know, I've had the, the honor of being able to take my wife to uh, childbirth classes in Vidalia, Georgia. So we had four classes for a total of eight hours. Uh, I, I went there thinking maybe we would just learn something about breathing techniques for the delivery, but I feel like I've gone to a second seminary at this point. Of all the images that we saw on the handouts that they gave to us and the videos that we watched, there's actually one image that I, I am glad that I had a chance to see because it has stuck with me. Uh, we watched a series of women giving uh, birth in different ways, some natural and some through C-section. And I just remember this one, uh, one of the four women who we saw in the video. Uh, she gave natural birth, but she did it after about 18 hours of labor. And I remember about the first five seconds that the baby came out and the, and the doctor was holding the baby up. And I just remember the baby's arms almost lifelessly hanging to its side and me thinking that, wow, is that baby even alive? And the, our teacher, Miss Valerie, she said, uh, she said, yeah, the baby's alive. The baby's exhausted. Just like the, the mother, the baby has been working for 18 hours to come out. And that baby was exhausted. But the first word that I could think of when I looked at that baby was utter helplessness helplessness, utter helplessness. We've all been there. We've all been born. We've all laid on the delivery table, and we've all been helpless. But the ironic thing is from the moment that we lie there on the changing table in the state of helplessness, we're looking for adults to change us and clean us and clothe us and feed us and protect us. But once we begin to walk and talk, most of us want to start going our own way. Basically, the more that we learn to be self-sufficient, the more freedom we begin to have to make our own choices. And we run as fast and as far away from anything that would put us in a vulnerable position as possible. But there's one undeniable truth about the lives of every human being on this earth, regardless of your experience of birth. We are all helpless before a holy God because we have inherited a nature of sin. Every single human being who has ever lived apart from Jesus Christ has been born into this nature of sin, and because of it, we are helpless before a holy God. In today's passage, we're going to study the life and the healing of a leper who's been touched by the hands of Jesus Christ. And just like every other physical miracle that we see in this gospel, there is a physical reality that points to a deeper spiritual reality. This cleansing of the leper points to the greater reality of our need to be cleansed from the leprosy of sin. Sin, a disease that renders us utterly helpless until we cry out for cleansing from the hands of a Savior. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 1. Okay, this is Mark chapter 1, the end of chapter 1. We'll be in verses 40 through 45, and if you would stand at this time for the reverence of the reading of God's holy, inerrant, infallible word. Again, we're in Mark chapter 1, and we're in verses 40 through 45. Hear the word of the Lord starting in verse 40. 
It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town and was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you and praise you for this day in your house with your people, worshiping and praising your Son. Father, today we pray once again for your Holy Spirit to come. Father, I pray that your power from your Spirit would, would be the embodiment of this message, Father. For without your Holy Spirit, I have nothing to offer today. Father, for us in the sanctuary, all of us, I pray that you would change our hearts and change our minds and change our lives to the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that people would be made new during the service today. Be with us, Father. Help us in this hour. Help this to be a true time of worship as we seek to look deeply into our own lives at the leprosy of sin and the goodness of a Savior who is willing to cleanse us if we would only ask. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and God's people said, Amen. Amen. So before we walk through the passage here, we'll start at verse 40 and like we've typically done, walk through verse by verse and get the perfect context of what we're looking at. I think we need to understand leprosy as the Bible is describing leprosy. There's a lot of things that I learned this week in my preparation that I had not previously known. When I have thought of leprosy in the past, I've thought of certain words that are used in Scripture like rotting flesh and infectious disease. I had no idea, there's some, some medical folks in this room that may know much more than I do, but when I did some research on it, I came to understand that leprosy in today's terms is known as Hansen's disease. And it doesn't start as an infectious skin disease, it's an internal disease that paralyzes a human being's ability to feel pain. So when a leper, according to scriptural time, and today what we would call Hansen's disease, that person is suffering from numbness. Their extremities can feel nothing. So the reason that they have rotting flesh and all of these infections is because over the course of time, we as human beings, we have those built-in neurotransmitters that tell us when our hand is touching fire or when a, a bug is cr crawling on us or a critter's nipping away at us, we know right away. We can feel it. We can react to it. We have those neurotransmitters that enable us to protect our bodies. Well, leprosy is this internal sin. Hansen's disease is this internal disease that just, it ravages the whole body. And I do say sin not because they've actively sinned to receive it, but because sin brings about disease and death. And that's one of the areas of the fall. And so for those who have leprosy, their bodies begin to become numb. They can't feel anything. So their hands can go into fires. In the cold seasons, they could have frostbite. They could wake up to bugs eating them and not even know it. There's so many things that happen. Doctors have called leprosy a painless hell. 
It is hell on earth to not be able to know the physical pain that you are feeling and watching your body slowly go through these levels of depreciation where your skin is just slowly rotting away. And that's why it's really important as we talk about lepers in the scriptures to look at what the Bible has to say about how the Old Testament tradition and the Hebrews, according to the laws of Moses, would approach lepers. In Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 through 46, God's word says this, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. As an American in 2016, a lot of times it's hard for me to connect with some of the Old Testament passages. But I will say this. When God was establishing a holy nation, all right, and he was establishing these laws... He was calling the nation of Israel to be holy and set apart. And that's why in the book of Leviticus, there's a lot of purity and blood laws because God knew well before we did what infectious diseases can do to an entire camp. Now, that has to do with the physical aspect of separating from the camp. But with that comes an emotional and sociological aspect of someone being cast outside a camp, living alone for decades where no one can touch them. And every time someone passes them, if they're, if they're part of the Jewish nation, they cry out, unclean, unclean, so that no one would touch them and they would infect anybody else. They're completely secluded from the rest of society. And that leads us into the very beginning here of the passage in verse 40. I want us to take a look at three areas throughout the course of this passage. And the first is this. Let's look together at the request for Christ's cleansing. Verse 40. Verse 40 says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can make me clean. Now let's take a look at this passage and slow down. At the very beginning, and a leper came to him. Now, we've just said what leprosy is. So picture the mind of a leper. A leper is someone who has a physical body that's become numb. They have a soul that has probably also become numb as an outcast of society. Their clothes are torn. Their hair is unruly. Their flesh is rotting. They're utterly outside the camp. And there's a good chance they have not been touched by another human being for decades. That's the leper. Now, what's the position of the leper? It says, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. So let's look at the two words, imploring or kneeling. That's the position of the leper. This is utter begging. This is complete and total surrender. This is, I don't care what I look like to anybody else. If this man can heal me, I am willing to make myself a fool to get his attention. All right, this is not the neighborhood mooch sitting on the curb at the Amet store asking for a couple pennies from your floorboard for a pack of smokes. This person is utterly desolate. They are begging. Their lives will eternally change if this man called Jesus can actually bring healing. That's the situation that the leper is in. He is crying out. He's kneeling. He's imploring. He's begging. He's saying, if you will cleanse me. Now, let me tell you why this is amazing. Here's an illustration, I think, that will put this in the proper perspective. So I was reading this summer, 
about missionaries, okay? Their names were Dwayne and Matt Mager, and they went to an orphanage in, the Uganda, in Uganda to, uh, to adopt a child. And so they walked into this Ugandan orphanage, and there was over 100 infants in one room. And when they walked in with the director of the orphanage, it was dead silent, And they looked at each other, and they looked at the director, and they said, how is it possible with a hundred babies in this room, there is not one of them crying? And the director looked at the Christian couple and said to them, when we bring babies in, they cry for about one week. And after one week of realizing that no one is coming to help them, they stop crying. Because they know no one's coming. Now think about the leper. You're outside of a camp for decades. You've been cast out of society because of purity laws. Nobody can touch you. Nobody can spend time with you. You are utterly alone. And after a while, the cries of unclean, unclean, probably got quieter and quieter. But all of a sudden, this leper knows enough about the Lord Jesus Christ probably because of the popularity of his miraculous power and everything that's been sweeping over Galilee, that the news gets to him, there's this person called Jesus who could be the Son of God, and he cries out, imploring and kneeling before him and says, if you will, make me clean. Now, what did he say? Those three words, if you will. That already takes a level of faith. He doesn't say, if you can. He says, if you will. Here's what he's saying to Jesus. I already know you can. I've already heard about you. I already know what you're capable of, Lord Jesus. The question is, will you do what I know that you can? There is a level of complete surrender and faith in the power of Christ. And he approaches him in complete and total humility and says, if you will, make me clean. That's the request for Christ's cleansing. Now let's look at the result of Christ's cleansing. Verses 41 through 42, it says this, Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Now what about the first three words of that passage? Moved with pity. Let's not skip over that quickly, all right? Because we have certain levels of pity in our own lives, all right? You watch a a, a sappy TV commercial with a Sarah McLachlan song playing in the background, and you may have pity for abandoned dogs, all right? Or if you're driving on the side of the road and you see a homeless family, for a moment you may feel pity, all right? But when it says moved with pity, we can understand that Jesus Christ had such a feeling in the pit of his stomach that his entire spirit was affected and moved by the request of this leper. He was moved. It wasn't just this fleeting emotion. He didn't change the channel or walk right by. He was moved. He was overwhelmed. And he stopped. He was moved with pity. And what did he do when he stopped? It says, he stretched out his hand and touched him. Now think about this. No one's touched this leper probably for decades. Jesus knows the law, okay? Jesus not only is the incarnate word, all right, but he knows the written word because he wrote it. He knows the laws of Moses. He knows the Levitical purity laws. 
But he reaches out and he touches this leper who's not been touched. And immediately he knows that he's going to be considered an outcast himself for touching someone who is unclean. But Jesus, who we said a few weeks ago, when Peter's mother-in-law was ill and he healed her, he could speak for someone to be well. But Jesus goes more than just speaking. He reaches out and touches. And this is more scandalous than when he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Because when he healed Peter's mother-in-law, she was sick with fever, but she wasn't an outcast of the camp. And when he lifted her up and she was well and then she served the people, it was a wonderful way in which Jesus showed his compassion. But now he goes to a complete outcast of society and touches him and brings him to a complete and total cleansing. Complete and total cleansing. We have to understand those two powerful words that he says in verse number 41. He says, I will. I will. I'm reminded of John 3.17 that comes after the famous verse John 3.16. Keep reading those great verses. John 3.17 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. All right. When Jesus came the first time, he didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. He didn't come to stand over the leper and say, yep, unclean, unclean. He came to make the leper clean. That's why Jesus came. He came to take those who are unclean, who would be surrendered to him, and come to him for cleansing to make them clean. And there is a physical reality to that, but it points more towards a spiritual reality as well. Let me say this before we move on to our third and final point of the passage. There is a phrase that it's made its way into American culture, and if you're not careful, you could stop and think that this phrase is biblical, but I promise you that it's not. I've said this phrase before in my own life, all right, but it's not from Scripture. The phrase is, God helps those who help themselves. You know what the Bible says? God helps those who cannot help themselves, but are surrendered to the one who can. All right, that's what Scripture teaches us. He was utterly helpless in a state of leprosy. He cannot heal himself. He cannot force himself to go back into the camp again. He can't become a part of society. He's standing there, and if God doesn't do anything, he's going to die that way. God does not help those who help themselves. God helps those who are helpless and who are willing to admit that they're helpless. That's what God does. That's what the Scriptures teach. And that's what the leper did. But that moves us to the third and final point of the passage that I want us to see. Let's look at the response to Christ's cleansing. Verses 43 through 45 says this, And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's look at what Jesus says, and let's look at how the leper responds. Jesus says, say nothing to anyone. Now, that sounds backward to us as Christians because we're told to go and tell everyone about Jesus, but let's understand the context Jesus has three short years on this earth in his earthly ministry to accomplish everything the Father set him out to do. And so everything has to be done at the right time. 
All right? If too many people find out about his physical powers, they may not care anything about his actual nature as the Son of God. They just want what he's offering. They just want to be healed. All right? Most people in the time that were reading this, they wanted a political Messiah. They did not want fully God, fully man for the forgiveness of our sins eternally. They wanted a powerful political figure who could provide them everything they wanted to live life the way they've always lived it. And so Jesus is saying, don't tell anybody yet. It's not time yet. He says, show yourself to the priest. Why does he do that? Well, I read earlier in Leviticus 13 about these purity laws. Well, Leviticus 14 does show the mercy of God that if they are made clean, there's a way in which the priest, through several days of consecration and atonement with, with uh, the blood sacrifice of an animal, can bring them back into the camp again. So Jesus is not writing off the law. He's fulfilling the law. And he's sending them back to the, he's sending them back to the camp and saying, show yourself to the priest. So that you may complete the laws of Moses here and welcome, and they'll welcome you back into the camp again. That's what Jesus says, but what does the leper do? Well, he talks freely. He's been cleansed, but he can't keep the good news to himself. And he spreads it everywhere. He proclaims the cleansing power of Christ, and the news spreads so fast that Jesus can no longer openly enter towns to do the work that God has called him to do. Now, I'd say there's two views that we can take to this response of the leper. We can, be, we can see his understandable joy. Okay, The understandable joy is if it happened to us, we'd have done the same thing. All right, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we'd have done the same thing. Jesus said, be quiet. We, we'd have got down the street and got on Facebook in about two minutes. All right, Somebody would have tweeted it before you got in the car. All right, would have taken pictures of himself and put it on Instagram. All right, That's what we would have done. Let's be honest with each other. Okay? But there's also inexcusable disobedience at the same time. When Jesus Christ tells you to do something, you better do it. All right, so there's the balance of those two things. But here's the most important thing that I want you to see about this passage. This passage points eternally to our faith in Jesus Christ and what we call the great exchange. All right, here's the great exchange. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me say that again. For our sake, he made him to be sin, him being Christ, who knew no sin. Jesus did not know sin, but that in him we might become the righteousness of God who are sinners. That's the great exchange, and that's what's happening in this passage. Think about this. The leper is outside the camp. The leper cannot enter the camp again. He's desolate. He's been cast out of society. Jesus, at this moment, is loved by everybody. People are following him everywhere. But when Jesus touches him, all of a sudden, the leper is welcomed into society, and it's Jesus who is stuck out to desolate places. That's the exchange that happens with us eternally that took place on the cross. All right? We, like lepers, had the stain of sin. That's our disease. Jesus on the cross, who was free of sin, took on all the punishment of our sin so that we could earn the righteousness, or receive the righteousness, excuse me, that he earned. That's the exchange. I've told our our kids in Awana on Wednesday nights, think about the report card example. We have F's on our report card. Jesus has straight A's. And he loves us so much that he exchanged report cards with us so that when we take those report cards home to the Father, we're given perfect marks. 
And he took on our F report card on the cross, taking on our sin. Every moment that Jesus hung on the cross, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God the Father was pouring out his holy wrath, all the punishment for the sins of mankind, past, present, and future. And we see the example of this with the leper. The leper's cast out. Jesus is part of the society. Jesus touches the leper, and the leper is brought in, and now Jesus is on the outside looking in, and he can't even walk into the towns to preach the gospel anymore. That's what he did for us. So I close by asking this. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who can cleanse us from the leprosy of sin. Will you cry out today and be cleansed? Uh, last night as I was finishing up the message here, God brought something to my mind and I, I kept pushing it away. And I woke up this morning and I was in the shower and uh, God kept pricking my heart to share this. Um, so I'm going to share it. It is the single worst thing that I've ever done in my 36 years on this earth. I tell you why I'm going to share it. Because like the leper, we're numb to our sin. We're helpless because of our sin. We can be cleansed if we cry out to Christ over our sin. Um, so most of you know I came to faith in Jesus Christ at 26 years old. I was living in California at the time when I came to faith and moved back here a couple of years later. Um, several years before that, God brought this back to my memory several years later when I began to have a little bit too much confidence in my own righteousness. God reminds us of things that kind of knock us down a few pegs. And uh, Brother John, I was in alt school. I was teaching the, uh, the kids in the alternative school at the high school, and one of the kids said to me, what's the worst thing you've ever done, Mr. Bo? And I sat there and I thought about it. I don't, I couldn't give him an answer. You know, I've never been arrested. Uh, I've never committed, uh, other than maybe speeding once in a while. I think I got a ticket when I was 20. Uh, par- I definitely got parking tickets at Georgia Southern. They can tell you that. I have boots on my car more than one time at Georgia Southern. Sweetheart circle is not as sweet as I wish it was. Um, but when it comes to the laws of man, I have not committed uh, many crimes. But I did one thing. When I was 20 years old, it is so heinous. And I'm going to tell you why I will share this with you, because the, heinous, the most heinous part of it was I thought I was honoring God when I did it. I had a friend who I played baseball with. Uh, some of you know I played club baseball at Georgia Southern. We traveled and played a lot of different teams. And I had a friend who was several years older than me. And uh, he was living a very promiscuous lifestyle. And he got a woman pregnant. And he came to me in tears, and he said to me, I just found out last week that my girlfriend is pregnant. He said, and I cannot bring a baby into this world. And he said, I can't afford an abortion because my check doesn't come till next week. Can you help me? I can tell you where I was. Right on Fair Road, where the Arby's is, there's a, there's a drive-through ATM right there. It used to be a Bank of America ATM. And I looked at him and said, brother, I will help you in your time of need. 
And I drove into that ATM and I took out $400 and gave it to him. And a week later, he paid me back. Now, let me, let, me, let me put this in the proper perspective. Let me tell you how blinding sin is. When I did that and gave him the money and drove away, I honestly thought God was proud of me. I was driving away saying, I had a friend in need. And I helped him in his time of need. And I prevented a child from coming into the world who otherwise would not have had would have had awful conditions to come into the world in. But let me tell you something, as a Christian, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ in 2016, on the other side of the cross, looking at this through the lens of Scripture, I'm an accessory to murder. And without Jesus Christ and his blood, not only should I not be a pastor, but I have no business standing in front of a holy God. None. And I have wept over that. I can't tell you how many times I've wept over that. Why do I share this with you today? Because I want us to be serious about sin. Because some of us in this room, because you've never been part of an abortion or because you've never committed a crime, you think that you may be a good person in the eyes of God. Let me tell you something. Human beings are not born good. All right, I hear people say all the time, there's a lot of good in human beings. Let me tell you something. Human beings have the capacity to do good things, but at our core, we are evil people turned against a holy God. And we will never see that until we stand at the standards of God's holiness instead of comparing ourselves to everybody else. We're not going to be judged on a curve by the standards of man. We're going to be judged by the holy standards of God. 1 John chapter 1, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... He who is faithful and just will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleansing, the cry for cleansing. This is an offer that God has made to everyone who will bow their hearts and confess with their tongues that they are a sinner who needs to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. So why do I share the worst moment of my entire life with you? Because now when I think of that moment, it humbles me to make me realize what a wretched sinner I am but I don't stand in a corner in the fetal position beating myself up over and over and over again, what it makes me do is want to praise God even more of how undeserving I am of His amazing grace. There's a song that Nicole Norderman sang, a Christian singer, um, and I remember the first time I heard it, understanding it, it says, when it's dark and it's cold and I can't feel my soul, you are good, so good. I pray as we enter into a time of invitation here that you would be honest before a holy God. Quit caring what the people around you are thinking or saying because you're going to stand naked and alone before God. And I pray that you would confess to Him anything and everything that you would know to be sinful. I pray, as, and I pray this morning on my knees in my, in my office that for any of you in this room who have come to God thinking that, that you're this great person and you're going to be judged according to your own standards, that you would say, God, don't judge me by my own report card. Judge me by Jesus' report card. He aced the class and I failed it. And he's offering me this final chance. All I have to do is confess, repent, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he will cleanse us from sin. I was a leper outside of the camp for much too long. 
And I'm never going back to that again. Now, it doesn't mean I'm no longer a sinner, but it means I'm a sinner saved by grace and I want to spend the rest of my life living for him. Like the leper, we are numb to our sin. Like the leper, we are helpless to save ourselves. But like the leper, we can be cleansed. But like the leper, we need to cry out, Jesus, cleanse me. Make me new. Let us pray. Father, let me and everyone in this room always be amazed at your grace for how undeserving we are for every single moment of it. You are a God who loves, a God who restores. Let us be a church that is always in the business of confession. Let's get our skeletons out of the closet, Father. And stop playing games with you. We know we're sinners, Father. Help us to understand that in a greater way. And help us to be honest before your throne and petition for forgiveness. Father, cleanse us. Make us new. Create a new heart in us, O God. For those that don't know Christ, I pray they would come and confess their sin and know Him as Lord and Savior. For those that do know him, Father, that they would confess daily sin and be cleansed and restored to a a right relationship with him. Father, help us in this hour, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.